0: If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Just grab your Bibles this morning. Turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 2. If you're here with us today for the first time, I want to welcome you to Antioch Church. It's our joy to host you today as a guest in our house, and we pray that God would direct your footsteps to the exact place that He would have you to be positioned in the body of Christ in our city. It might be Antioch Church, it might be somewhere else, but what I do know is that when you find the place that God is positioning you and God is planting you in that place to the degree that you commit yourself and sow yourself into that people, you will become fruitful. And that is what we desire. And that is what God desires for you. We've been on a series here for a, a several weeks now called Tending Your Garden. And we're gonna be ending this series today. I've got, I've got a few targets that are on the wall that I've been praying into let me, let me talk with you about where the series has been, and then I'll tell you about what the targets that we have for today are, and then we'll go into hitting those targets together. In Genesis chapter 2, we find something very, very interesting. This is the story, for those of you who are not very familiar with the scriptures, Genesis chapter 1 begins the story of the kingdom of God, and it begins the story of humanity and our role in the kingdom. Genesis 1 begins with God creating the heavens and the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, animals, trees, vegetation, sea creatures, everything that's around us. Genesis 1 is the account of God creating that. At the end of God's creative adventure, on day six, he creates man. And I like to say that mankind is the pinnacle and the apex of God's creation. We are the ultimate of everything that God created. God was showing off when he created mankind. In Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2 is perhaps one of the most important chapters in the Bible, because it reveals to us our purpose and our destiny in the earth. And we see in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, Genesis 2 verse 15, God takes this man, he positions him in a garden, in a field. Now, many of us have read this many times, but when you read field or when you read garden, I want you to look at this a little bit differently. I want you to look at this as a specific geographical location, because geography matters to God. Land matters to God. And one of the targets that I have on the wall today, as we talk about tending our assignment and tending the garden of our city, is I want today to show you from the scriptures that you are not in Colorado Springs by accident, that God has sovereignly designed you to be in this city because your calling actually strengthens and supports the prophetic destiny or the calling of God on our city and they work together. And hopefully I'll be able to explain that to you as we move forward. So God takes Adam, he plants him in the garden and he says, there's two directives that God gives to to Adam. Let's take a look at it. I'm gonna do a little bit of review here. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it, which very simply means to make it fruitful, make it better, make it grow. This is your assignment. In everything in life, whatever God gives to you, you're called to make it grow. You're called to make it better. You're called to make it fruitful. If you can sing, become more fruitful with your singing. If you can write, your family, your relationships, your finances, one of our responsibilities, if you ever lose your way, Just find out what God has given to you and start making it grow. And through that process, more open doors will come for you. The second thing that we're supposed to do is not only make things fruitful, we're supposed to protect the things that God has given to us. The word there in the Hebrew is called shamar. I'm reading out of the NIV. The NIV says to take care of, but other literal translations like the NASB or the ESV say to protect to take, to fight for, to, go, to guard and to defend, to keep. So that's one of our responsibilities as humans on the earth. Now, what we've done over the past several weeks is we've talked about concentric circles of responsibility that make up our garden. Okay. Number one, the first area of our garden is our own hearts and our own lives. We are called and commissioned by God to make our own lives fruitful and to watch, guard, defend, and protect our lives. Proverbs 4.23 says that your heart is the wellspring of life. Everything that happens through your life begins in your heart. So we're called to protect our heart. We're called to watch over the affairs of our heart. Number two, for those of us who are married or those of us who are in preparation to become married, We are to watch over or guard and defend our marriages, because marriage, according to the biblical pattern, is the fundamental building block of societies. Number three, we are to watch and guard and defend the garden of our children or our families. For the past few weeks, we've been talking about number four, we are to watch, guard, and defend the garden of our church. And we've talked extensively about what it means to be positioned and planted and placed in a particular local body, God's purpose of that, how God uses the family to grow us and particular things that we can do to protect the house. We've talked about watching over our words. We've talked about watching uh, over the house to keep spirits of division from entering in through our words, through gossip, through slander, through murmuring, through complaining, And I heard that Becca Greenwood did a phenomenal job last week talking about developing a culture or a spirit of honor in this place. That is one of the ways that we tend the garden of our relationships. We tend the garden of this church. Today, I want to shift gears here. I've got two targets on the wall for things I want to preach on and have another target on the wall that... Uh, of something that we have to address together as a family. Target number one is I want to address the idea of tending the garden of our city, tending the garden of our city. And I do not think it's coincidental the way the Lord has worked out this series that we are ending on Palm Sunday We are ending on the week prior to Resurrection Sunday by putting our attention on God's kingdom perspective and God's kingdom agenda for the city that God has placed us in. Target number two is I wanna talk about your assignment. I wanna talk about tending the garden of your assignment to the degree that you and I understand the mission that God has us on and walk in that mission and train for that mission, prepare for that mission, walk uh, and execute that mission to that degree that all of us are doing that, not just an Antioch church, but we're now talking about the body of Christ on a regional or city-wide level. To that degree, a city will be protected. A city will be fruitful. A city will begin to walk in its prophetic destiny. See, we belong to a much grander vision that God has for this city. And this city belongs to a much grander strategy that God has globally for the nations and for the world. Now, our third target is is a little bit difficult today. And I want to give you a little bit of time to process this before we go into it. It's uh, on one side of the coin, it's very, very exciting because of what we're going to be doing prophetically and what we're going to be doing in terms of commissioning uh, one of our family members in the house and particularly one of the staff members who have served with us. Uh, But it's also very, very sad. And so I got some sad news, but I've got some good news. The sad news is that um, Doug and Donna Castle have decided uh, towards the beginning of the year that the Lord is actually putting some new assignments on their lives. Coming out of the 21 day fast, which as many of you know, we prayed into being in God's presence, hearing God's voice and receiving God's assignments on the heels, I'm talking just a few days after that fast was over. Uh, Doug and I began having conversations that the Lord was beginning to put some new assignments on he and Donna's life. And that's the very sad news for me. But the happy news or the good news here is that the Lord is keeping them in the body. And so we all rejoice with that. We're excited about that. And so I'm gonna talk with you more about that in the context of tending the garden of our city, tending the garden of our assignments. We're gonna bring the castles up. We're gonna commission them into their next assignment. We're gonna rally around them, seek God with them as they're still seeking God's voice on exactly what those next steps are to be. And we want them to feel the strength and feel the support and feel the celebration of their church family as they're walking into that next step of their destiny. All right, so we got a lot of ground to cover this morning. Go with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I want to begin today by just briefly touching on the fact that every single one of you is a sent one. Say, I'm a sent one. It means that we have a mission and assignment that God has given to every single one of us on a very general, but also on a very specific level, and to the degree that every single one of us discover what that unique sent one assignment is to the degree that we prepare for it through the training process of the Lord and to the degree that we walk in it with boldness and humility, with authority and with power, to that degree we will experience God's kingdom come into our life and to the concentric circles of responsibility around us. For some context here, Jesus has been crucified, he's been resurrected, he's about to ascend back into heaven for good until his return. And he goes back to his closest friends, the people that the scriptures call the disciples. And here in John chapter 20, for context, we'll look at verse 19. Scripture says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace, be with you. So Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has been resurrected. He's gone up to heaven. And now the disciples are all gathered together in a room and here Jesus pops up. What a glorious moment. Verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. If you don't know the significance of that, come to the Scarlet Cord next week and invite a ton of friends and we'll tell you why he's got hands or holes in his hands and in his side. Verse 21, again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me. Very, very important here. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Say it again with me this morning. Say, I am a sent one. Jesus was sent on an express mission from heaven to earth. We did a series a number of years ago called Why Jesus Came. And we discovered that when Jesus came, He didn't come just because God so loved the world. He came to restore the authority to rule this world that man lost, okay? He came to seek after people that were lost and to restore them back into fellowship with the Father. He came to testify to the truth, to what truth is, and to make that truth known to humanity. He came for a number of different reasons. He came on an assignment. He came on a mission. He came under the blessing and the authorized commissioning orders from heaven. In fact, Galatians 4 says it like this. It says that when the fullness of time had come, in other words, in God's wisdom and in God's sovereignty, God knew that there was an express time within the timeline of history that Jesus needed to come. And because Jesus is a son who's under the authority of his father, he came to the earth exactly when the father told him to come. He came not on his own authority. He came on the authority of his father. He came not speaking his own message. He came speaking the message of his father. He came as a sent one, and every single one of us in Christ Jesus are sent ones. Look with me at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look with me at verse 8. This is the apostle Paul, one of the uh, greatest apostles and uh, members of the New Testament, His story is incredibly fascinating. God takes him from a man who is murdering Christians, absolutely transforms his life, and now he's a man who is writing two-thirds of the New Testament, one of God's greatest agents in the New Kingdom. He's writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, and this is where we pick the story up in verse 8. Paul is saying to his son, Do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord Jesus, and don't be ashamed of me, son, his prisoner but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Look at verse nine. Who has saved us and has called us, NIV says, to a holy life. But I like the way the New American Standard says it. New American Standard says, who has called us to a holy calling. He has called us to a holy calling. So you and I have not been called just to live a holy or moral life. You and I have been called to a holy calling. You and I have been called with marching and missional orders from heaven the moment that we were born. In fact, Pastor Dan did a phenomenal job of this in January, mapping out in Jeremiah chapter one, that our marching orders were put in our very DNA the moment that we were born in our mother's wombs. God said, I knew you, Jeremiah, when you were still in your mother's womb. Today, I want you to know that your marching orders have not gone away. I want you to know that your prophetic destiny to fulfill on the earth has not gone away. He knew you when you were in your mother's wombs. He put your marching orders inside of you and upon you, and he has put a prophetic destiny upon your life, and you have a mission and an assignment to fulfill as a sent one, as a sent one. Now, your assignment or your, the place that you're sent to or the assignment into which you are sent Attending the garden of your assignment typically involves one, if not all, of three things. And I'm not going to hit all of these today. It involves a people or a people group, it involves a place, and it involves a passion. It involves a people. Some of you are called to particular people groups around the world, some of you are called to particular cultures. Some of you are called to particular uh, races. Some of you are called to um, different ethnocentricities. And then some of us are called to a particular location. Now, most of us, and I will say this as a very blanket statement, wherever God has planted and positioned you, there is an element of your mission that is tied into that location because location matters to God. And then some of you are called to a passion, a project, a cause, and when we get into our next series that will begin after Resurrection Sunday, we'll unpack that even more when we get into our Activate series. Let me talk with you a little bit about tending the garden of our city as that connects to the place that God has called us. Turn with me to the book of Revelation, book of Revelation 22. And just to give you a little theology of places and cities, at some point in our journey, we'll have an entire series on the theology of the city. Because cities matter to God, and cities have what I call prophetic destinies. Before we get into this, let me explain this, and then we'll touch, touch Revelation 22. How many, of you, how many of you believe that God has given you a personal purpose and a personal prophetic destiny? How many of you believe that? We all, we all can understand that. Now, moving out from there, how many of you believe that there are actually uh, assignments and prophetic destinies upon your family? How many of you believe that? We can can swallow that. We can say, yeah, absolutely. Everything that God does, God does multi-generationally. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in God's divine plan, what he does with the fathers, he wants to pass on to the sons. And he wants the sons to pass on to the grandsons and granddaughters so that the sons and the grandsons are not having to learn the same lessons the fathers learn. They're starting further along in their journey And we want the ceiling of the fathers, come on now, to be the floor of the sons. That's called working through covenantal, multi-generational synergy. That's God's design in the earth. Your family has a divine destiny on it. How many of you believe that churches have prophetic destinies? There are certain assignments that God has upon churches local fellowships. As we look at the Old Testament pattern, we see that there were 12 different tribes in Israel, and the Bible goes through great detail to help us understand that every one of those tribes were unique. There were some tribes, like the tribes of Issachar, and they had the ability to discern the times and the seasons. They were the prophetic tribe. They were the tribe that would then go back and their piece of the puzzle was to come and say, these are the things that we discern that God is saying and doing that's gonna affect the whole, okay? Now, they weren't operating in isolation. God's design is that they were to bring their unique gift mix and put it into the whole so that all the tribes in that region knew exactly how they could be facing the enemy or how they could be walking into their prophetic destiny in a region. So we understand that. Now, how many of you believe that cities and locations actually have prophetic destinies? There are assignments that are given to actual cities and places in the earth. And how many of you also know that for every positive thing that God has ordained, that the enemy has a negative counterpart? Now, let me just talk here for a minute or two to explain this. We all can agree that a person can be oppressed or even possessed by a demonic spirit. Do we agree with that today? So we can agree that an individual, though God has an individual purpose on a person's life, the enemy can look at that same person and say, I have an idea of what God may be wanting to do with your life, and I'm going to design something so different that it is going to pull you away from God's prophetic destiny and bring you into my own. How many of you believe that families can have assignments from the enemy? We understand generational curses and iniquities and the sins of the fathers visiting their children down to the third and the fourth generation. You see, God's design is that you experience continual blessing that compounds. The enemy's design is that your family experiences continual bondage that compounds. The enemy's not so much concerned about getting you, he's concerned about getting your seed. He's concerned about getting your children and your grandchildren because he knows that if he can get a foothold in you, he can get a stronghold in your children. And by the time it gets down to the grandchildren, it's almost unbreakable save for the power of God. Now the enemy can also have demonic assignments uh, for churches. How many of you know that you can walk into a church and if you have any shred of discernment, you can actually pick up on some things that have gone on in that place that have not been dealt with or some things that are currently going on in that place that need to be dealt with. I remember one time we were going into a building as a staff and walked around, and uh, I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm the most sensitive to these things, but I felt such a strong Masonic presence in this place. The room felt heavy. The atmosphere felt oppressed, felt dark there was a spirit of fear that was trying to creep onto every single one of us I thought my goodness I don't know what happened in this place but uh, unless I get a thousand intercessors to clean this place out I don't think this is the place that God has called us to be come talk to me today now the enemy can also have an assignment on cities and on regions why is it that Las Vegas is called sin city Why is it that there are certain places that you go to and you weren't dealing with this before, but a spirit of lust comes all over you as soon as you break that plane in the atmosphere and land on those grounds? A spirit of greed, a spirit of idolatry, a spirit of murder. See, the enemy, he understands that there are certain places. Do you know that there are certain places in the world that have constantly been attacked because of the strategic nature of their location? Why is it that Jerusalem has been attacked over and over and over again? Why is it that Israel is constantly the center of geographical warfare because of the strategic nature of their location in the natural and in the spirit? In the Old Testament, we see that anytime somebody was positioned on a high place, they became a very strategic location because of what you can see in the natural and because of what you can release in the spirit. So are we understanding now today that where God assigns you that there's prophetic destiny and purpose there? Look with me at the book of Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. And we'll look beginning at verse 26. And for the sake of time, I won't go into all the context. For those of you who are new to the scriptures, I encourage you get into the habit of taking notes And any time a preacher references a passage, read the entire chapter. Maybe even the chapter before and the chapter after to get the entire story. All right, verse 26. The Apostle Paul says, From one man, this is God, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. So for all of you who've been murmuring and complaining about living in Colorado Springs, like I used to do for so long until God smacked me and gave me some revelation that he called me and assigned me here, you need to understand that there's something about what God needs to do in you that he needs needs you to be in Colorado Springs to do it. Do I need to explain that? There's something about what God needs to do in you There's something about what God's trying to build in you. There's something about the why that he has you on earth that for some season, whether it be short term or long term, God has strategically utilized Colorado Springs and the anointing and the destiny on this region to build it or to break it or to put it inside of you. Last weekend I was at Fort Hood uh, where I grew up and uh, the Lord had sovereignly worked out my timing to where I was gonna be in the church that I grew up in uh, on the eve of the massacre that had taken place there at Fort Hood. Very weighty, spirit of the fear of the Lord was all upon it. And um, unbeknownst to me, the Lord wanted me to share some of the things I'm sharing with them that I'm sharing with you today. He gave it to me in about 10 minutes between the first and the second service, completely changed the message from the first to the second service. And the Lord began helping me to explain to these people the fact that destinies and assignments work in these concentric circles. Do you know that when I was a child, and I had forgotten about this till someone told me afterwards, I had totally forgotten. When I was a child in the eighth grade in junior high, there was a massacre that had taken place at a restaurant there called Luby's. One of the first that had ever gotten national attention in our day. Now we know that a couple years ago, there was another massacre at Fort Hood and then the one that happened just weeks ago. And the Lord began to show that one of the prophetic destinies that is upon Fort Hood is the largest army base in the world. Well, in order to understand the prophetic destiny upon a city, you just need to look in the natural and see what's congregating there. You need to see what's being attracted there. So it's not coincidental that the largest army base in the world is positioned at Fort Hood, which tells me that spiritually, that one of the assignments upon the church in that city, it is to raise up and train up warriors and to deploy them into assignment. Are you tracking with me? What better way to deter warriors from signing up or what better way to keep people from sending people out onto mission than to bring a spirit of fear into a place that has a prophetic destiny to train up warriors and send them out on mission? Are you hearing me this morning? So for every assignment that God has, the enemy will bring a counterfeit assignment to short circuit and to undermine and undercut the prophetic destiny that God has upon that region. Okay? We can look at Colorado Springs. It is not coincidental that there are four military bases here. It is not coincidental that we have an academy I remember one time I picked up Lou Engle from the airport and I drove him here, and he said, Jade, it's not coincidental that the Air Force Academy is here in your city. This city is called to be the air force of the nation. This city is called to raise up an army of intercessors who through strategic level warfare and worship and fasting ascend into the heavens and begin to engage things on an atmosphere level. Okay, that's one of the assignments that is upon our city. Colorado Springs is a sending city. It is a sending city. The reason why we have four army bases and NORAD here is because in the spirit, we are not not just to recruit people to come. We are designed and divinely designed by the Lord to train new recruits and to send them out into their mission. Colorado Springs is also a high place in the nation which has incredible implications on worship, on strategic level warfare, on prayer, on all of those things. So are you beginning to understand now that cities have prophetic destinies? And are you beginning to understand that for every assignment that God has, even on a regional level, that the enemy has a counterfeit assignment? Now I had you turn to Revelation 22, and let me just touch this, because it helps us to understand something of the theology of cities that cities will exist throughout all eternity. Beginning in verse one, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. What's a city doing in heaven? What is a city doing in eternity? Well, As we read the book of Revelation, you'll understand that our assignment isn't actually heaven, our assignment is earth. And that after we are resurrected and after numerous events take place, we will actually be assigned to a new earth that has cities. And that God is training and developing every single one of us to rule cities. That's why we see in the scriptures in the parable of of the minus or the parable of the talents. Uh, One gospel rendition says, you've been faithful with a little. Now I will put you in charge of cities because there are cities in eternity because geography and location matters to God. Land is important to God. It has always been important. It will always be important. Going back to one thing I said before, do you remember in Genesis 12 when God picks up a man by the name of Abraham? And he finds Abraham in a land of Ur, the land of his fathers, and he says, Abraham, you must leave this land of your fathers and go to a new land. Why is that? Because what Abraham was called to do in the earth, he couldn't do from Ur. Did you hear what I just said? God needed Abraham to leave that location geographically and he needed to take him on a pilgrimage to another geographical location that had a prophetic destiny upon it that there too would converge. We'll we'll break this down more in the future. Let me talk with you for a few minutes about assignments and about being sent ones and about tending the garden of our assignment. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Many of you know this by heart. For those of you that are new to the scriptures, Matthew 28, is a passage of scripture called the Great Commission. Jesus discipled 12 of his closest friends and and they became his students. He trained them for three years and then he was crucified. He was resurrected from the dead. He goes back to the 11 of the 12 and this is where the story picks up in Matthew 28. Listen to what Jesus says to his disciples. Verse 18, he says, all authority, say authority, in heaven and on earth. See, one of the reasons Jesus had to come to earth is because he already had all authority in heaven, right? But the destination isn't heaven. So he had to come back to earth as a man so that he could legally get back the authority of earth that was given over by Adam and Eve. He came to earth as an earth creature to gain authority back on the earth realm so that he could give it back to you and to me. And what is that authority for? That, is, that authority is for our assignment. And our assignment is to advance God's kingdom. That assignment is to uh, destroy the works of the devil. That assignment is to loose the bands of injustice. That assignment is to restore cities to their divine destinies. That city, that, 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 that assignment is to help people walk in the fullness of who God has created them to be. It's a glorious assignment. See, I have a glorious assignment. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of nations. A better rendering of that is go and disciple not just people in nations, but disciple nations. So every single one of us are a part of a grand design to be a part of discipling some nation on the earth. When you were born, God hardwired into your DNA some nation, maybe many nations, but I know that there is at least one nation that God has put inside of you because he has given us a commission and authority to disciple nations. Number two, something you didn't know about your assignment is not only do you have authority, which means that you have the legal right to exercise power. Authority is the legal right to exercise power. Acts chapter one, verse eight, something you need to know about your assignment is that not only do you have authority, but that you've been given power for your assignment, which is related to people, places, and passions. Are are we still together today? Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus again speaking to his disciples, and he says to them, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Now he goes into geography, in Jerusalem, which is the place God has planted you, in Judea, which means the surrounding region, and to the uttermost bounds of the earth. So whether you know it or not, every single one of you has a global calling. We are all called to care about nations. According to Acts chapter one, verse eight. So you've been given authority, which is the legal right under God to exercise power. The word there, authority, is exousia, which sounds like execute or executive. But the word here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, dunamis, the word power, which sounds like dynamite. Okay, it's one thing to have dynamite. It's one thing to have artillery but not have the executive authorized commissioned orders to be able to use that artillery. If you do, you're in trouble. It's another thing to have authority, but have no weapons to use. Jesus says, I have given you authority to the degree that you walk in submission and sonship to my plans and my process. And I've given you power because I'm not going to send you into hell with water pistols. Are you hearing me? He's given you revelation, he's given you wisdom, he's given you counsel, he's given you interpretation, he's given you faith, he's given you miracles, he's given you strength. He, come on, come on somebody. He's given you power by the Holy Spirit to face the enemy that you're gonna be facing for the assignment that he's given you. Now this is very important because number three, the thing you need to know about your assignment is every assignment has opposition. Every assignment has opposition. Opposition. We see this in the natural through wars. We see this in the natural through sports. But the great example biblically we see here in Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. Let's look at verse 21. Every assignment has opposition. Verse 21, Scripture says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, and he must suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. So Jesus understood that his mission, his mission assignments from heaven was to go to earth, and it wasn't just to bring revival, and it wasn't just to heal the sick and feed 5,000 and do wonderful, glorious, fun, spectacular things like that. His assignment was to go to the cross, and that assignment had opposition. Are you hearing me today? Your assignment will have opposition. Take heart. Stand firm. I love the scripture Pastor Dan utilized today. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Let me tell you something else about your assignment. Go with me very quickly before we transition to prayer here. Look with me at Joshua. Joshua. It be a great segue. Joshua chapter 14. How many of you Fill the spirit of the Lord, stirring you up in the assignment that He's given to you. How many of you would be willing to, after today, to say, "God, I may have despised my city, or I may have been ignorant of the fact that You have planted me in Colorado Springs for a divine reason, for my prophetic destiny, and for Colorado Springs' divine destiny." And so, I am willing to ask You what my role is in bringing transformation to my city. I am willing to ask You what my role is in bringing the kingdom of God to my city. Because your assignment is connected to people, places, and passions that God puts in your heart. Let me show you something with you about your assignment. Number four is that you are never too old. Ms. Carmen, remind me how old you are because I always want to say you're 50. She's 50. Who has the strength of an 18-year-old. We've taken this woman all over the world. Did you, Philippines, Guatemala, What is? Did you go to Tanzania? Not yet. She said, not yet. This woman has been all over the world with us and she began just five to six years ago, which means that none of us have any excuse. But look with me here at the book of Joshua 14 and look with me at verse six. This is so powerful. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. We talked about this two weeks ago. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. Verse 10, now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go to battle now as I was then. Now, give me my mountain. Come on. Give me the hill country. Those of you who know geography know that the hill country was the hardest terrain to fight on. And here's Caleb in 85, I would be freaked out if I saw an 85-year-old gray-bearded man with fire in his eyes running up that mountain. I'm gonna go home and watch Braveheart today. Ah, I'm just as vigorous to go to battle now as I was then. Now give me my mountain that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. And then Joshua blessed Caleb and gave him Hebron, land, cities, regions, locations, assignments, as his inheritance. Why is it that Psalm 2.8 says, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance? Because inheritance is connected to your assignment and inheritance is connected to people and places. You are here for a divine reason. You are here in this city to end injustice. You have been called and commissioned by God with marching orders from heaven to bring forth God's prophetic destiny in Colorado Springs. And you are not too old, you are well able. Let me read this prophetic word that Pastor Doug gave to me this morning. He was on Elijah list. And as I read this word, Doug and Donna, if you guys would get in position, I wanna pray for you here this morning. We're gonna celebrate and we're gonna launch these guys in to their next assignment because their assignment is great in the Lord. When I woke up on the morning of April 6th, this is from Nellie Blandowich. Some of y'all may know who that is. Good enough for the Elijah list, I guess it's good enough for me. No, my spirit bears witness with this word. The spirit of the Lord spoke to me and I heard him say, the generation that was born before the 60s is arising. Anybody here born? before? In fact, why don't you stand up? Kurt, you were born before the 60s? Come on, man. And I heard him say, I'm going to just come uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm going to just read this over you. I heard him say, "The generation that was born before the 60s is arising. I declare to you that you are arising. And many in that generation who have been asleep or lulled are now awakening." Say, "I am awakening." New dreams. Say, "New dreams." Visions and invitations from the Spirit of God. This generation has been lulled into mediocrity and I am breathing my Ru'ah breath on them and I am bringing them back to life. These dry bones shall live again. When the world tells them they are to wind down, ha, I laugh because I am sending a sound. I am sending a frequency that is awakening them to dreams being born. I want to prophesy over you that you're going to dream again. Expect new dreams. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams And I want to call forth dreams out of you. Everybody stretch your hands to somebody that's standing up around you and say, dream again. New dreams, fresh dreams, God dreams, spirit dreams, heaven's dreams be upon you in the name of Jesus. I am awakening a knowledge and a persistence to forge forward and to think further than their natural mind has taken them. There is a knowing being released that with me all things are possible. And I decree, let faith arise in you, in the name of Jesus. This generation is arising to understand and to delight in the fear of the Lord and to walk in the knowledge and the counsel of my spirit. Father, I thank you for an increase of counsel that these that are in, that you have planted here in our house, that they will be counselors. We thank you that a pure spirit a clean spirit and an accurate spirit of counsel will be upon them for the affairs of this city, for this culture and for generations to come. There is a renewal coming to a generation that thought they were forgotten. I say, rise up, O sleeper, rise up to a new day for you, a new fervency, a new direction. I will restore and I will refresh and I will anoint you to dream again and to not only dream but to live out those dreams. I am the one who empowers you and I will teach you the way to go and how to get there. It is not the time to give up. I declare it is not the time to give up. It is not the time to say it is over for I tell you it is just beginning. Hear the sound of the horse hooves, they are coming your way. There is a gathering of a generation that thought it was over and I am calling you to rise up. I am unleashing a renewing of youth and strength, and purpose, and intent for all who are willing to say yes. For all who are willing to say yes. For all who are willing to say yes. Your greatest hour is ahead. Let's all just lift our hands here. Father, I thank you that You have walked us through a journey through the past four months. As we fasted for the 21 days, you talked with us about presence and voice and assignment. You talked with us about suddenlies. You thrust us into a greater level of alertness to watch over our lives, our marriages, our children, this church, this city. Now, God, I pray that you would take us to a higher level of watchman anointing, I ask that you would grant all of us eyes to see and ears to hear like never before. God, I pray for a higher sensitivity to the voice of your spirit to be upon us and within us. God, I thank you for an army of watchmen that are raised up in Colorado Springs that will be deployed throughout the entire world. We thank you that you've placed us in ascending city. You've placed us here to authorize and commission many trained sons and daughters to bring your kingdom to the uttermost bounds of the earth. Father, I pray encouragement. I pray healing. I pray restoration. I pray strength. I pray life. I pray vision upon every person here. God, I, I just see in my, in my heart right now, there are those that are laboring in their assignment and they're getting a little tired. If that's you, just lift your hands up right now. You know your assignment. There's a field that God has put you in, but you feel a little weary. God, I pray right now that you would send resources. You would send strength. You would send people. You would send personnel. Father, I I bind every assignment of the enemy to steal time from these people where the enemy would come in and he would raise people up and they would it just seems like constant turnover. Father, we, we, we cut that cycle off right now. I pray for able, competent, adequate, trustworthy men and women of God to surround you as leaders, to help hold up your hands, to help advance the vision and the mission that God has put upon you. I pray for a, a rescheduling of time. There are some of you who are called to write. And time has just been, it's like every time you sit down to write, something pops up. And I just say right now, every distraction, I I bind you today in Jesus' name. And I say words begin to flow from your spirit through your mind, into your hands, onto paper, onto computers. I declare over you that things that would have taken at one point hours and weeks and months to write, that there will be a momentum of the Spirit that comes upon you and that you'll find yourself completing projects in half the time that it took you to before or even a quarter of the time because of the power of the anointing of God on your assignment. God, I pray for those that are wandering that you would snap them into position and into alignment and you would very quickly reveal what they're to put their hands to. Antioch Church, I bless you. I commission you go out of this place today lay hands on the sick and see them recover walk out of here with a prophetic word for those that need help walk out of here with strength and victory in your spirit and we declare we will be a part of a great awakening in our city in our region and beyond in jesus name let's clap our hands and leave this house with victory amen god bless you